when an email arrives in the inbox in order of preference the from address is the number one if it's from dell for example dell computers you'll see it's dell on there okay and if it's from gap or whole foods you'll see it there if it's from seller i will see your name in there all the time and it'll be there all the time and what i used to do was show people and i'd just sort my inbox by who from and then I'll show them someone who's sending weekly or daily. And I go, impression, 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 impression. Dell, 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 seller, 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 seller. And then I say, hey, do you know any email marketing consultants who know about deliverability? I'll say, oh yeah, there's a guy called seller and I won't even know. That's how billboards work, right? That's how TV commercials work. They're so clever, everyone knows this, so that even the, the sound, the music from a commercial will trigger you and you don't have to be in the room to know it's this bank or that insurance company. Hello and welcome to episode number two of Email Geeks Show, the podcast where once a month the leading email experts share their knowledge about email marketing, email deliverability and marketing. My name is Sela Yoffe and I'm an email deliverability consultant from Israel. And I'm working with global email senders, startups and email platforms on their email deliverability, email authentication and strategy. And I'm the host of this podcast. My guest today is Della Quist, agency founder, email marketing and messaging technology expert, speaker and board advisor. In my opinion, Delacquist is one of the smartest people in the industry. It's great to have you on my podcast, Della. Uh, thank you. You're very kind, and I'm very excited to be doing this. Um, I've known you now uh, a while. Not, not the sort of 20-plus years that I've known some people in this space, <laughs> but I've also always uh, admired your work um, in the deliverability field, and it's a pleasure to be connected with you, and it's a pleasure to do this. Thank you for the kind words, Della. You know, to set the scene, I typically open the conversation with two questions. The first one is, how did you start with email? As most people say, they fell into it. And the second is, why do you still love email after all these years? Yeah, I think most people do. It's not, it's, it's a long time since email was... Uh, sexy, right? Um, I would argue that it's never been sexy. Um, so you fall into email out of necessity because it's so efficient, it's so compelling, it's so effective that you find yourself just doing it. So um, my background kind of would lead to understand how I got into it. I, I, I started out in publishing. Mm -hmm. Right. I started in magazines, you know, tech magazines, uh, Computer World, PC World. Remember those kind of magazines sure. if you're old enough to do yeah. that. <laughs> um, and then I went to work for a national newspaper because tech was becoming sexy and uh, the PC was beginning to dominate the world. And so the national newspapers, the Times of London, decided they wanted to have a technology section. And I was brought in to help um, to sell advertising in the technology section. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So my clients were effectively the marketers of tech companies who wanted to reach 
yeah. IT people <laughs> and persuade them through an ad in the page to buy the product. Um, and so I, I was fortunate enough to, I always had a, as, well, you, you, you said it before, it, it, I wouldn't say I'm intelligent so much, but I have a slightly differential way of thinking. I go to places that others don't. As soon as everybody is somewhere, I'm going, mm, I'm not so sure about this. <laughs> um, and because certainty, the world is not black and white, it's just gray, okay? And certainty is a dangerous place in my view. So what I noticed was that the magazines that carried the most advertising mm -hmm. tended to be the ones that were most read. I won't go into which was the chicken and which was the egg, <laughs> but that's kind of what happened. And what I noticed is that if you are a tech magazine and you have 150,000 programmers reading your magazine, yeah. more people will want you than if you've got 10,000 programmers reading your magazine, all things being equal. Mm -hmm. You can play the quantitative argument uh, versus the, qualita the qualitative argument versus the quantitative. But when it comes to reach, more is more. There's no thinking about it. Um, so... I visualized my job mm -hmm. as placing uh, a, a, an advertisement on the interface yeah. between <laughs> the programmer and the advertiser, okay? And that in interface was a page. Yeah. And what brought you to the page was content, a very important point. Yeah. So if you had good content and you had a big audience, more people would read, more people would see the advertisement, and therefore more people would respond to the advertisement and buy. Mm -hmm. So when the internet came about and started happening, I was like, oh my God, the interface has become interactive, <laughs> right? And I just was like, this is amazing. Yeah. So I was one of the first people to even contemplate from our safety of publishing, we're big guys, you know, we make lots of money, you know, blah, 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 to this new frontier, which was the internet. And um, one day a headhunter who used to work for me <laughs> bumped into me uh, and said, hey, you know, you're here at the Times newspapers um, and I've got this thing, an internet company, it's called Excite, Excite.com. Have you heard of them? And I went, yeah, of course I have. And she was like, you're the first candidate who even knows who they are. And back in the day, Excite.com was probably the number three or the four player after um, Microsoft and AOL. Mm -hmm. Google did not really have a stake in the game at this stage. Yeah. They hadn't been invented at this stage, which this is about 95, 96 that this happened. So Google was 96 and I moved in about 90, <laughs> 95, 96. And I just started working uh, and I set up an ad sales team. Mm -hmm. Again, the same thing. I was selling eyeballs to marketers who wanted to reach eyeballs. The more eyeballs you had, the better you were. Yeah, And I also, one of the things that people don't understand, and when we come to talk about audience management, right, mm -hmm. is that in newspapers, everybody wants the first right-hand page because you open, well, except where you are because <laughs> you read the other way around, yeah, but yeah. If, if you are Western English writing, you tend to start you move this way, okay? And as you turn the pages, your eye falls on the right-hand side. So everybody wants the first right. Nobody wants the last left in the book. 
unless you can persuade them that, oh, some people open from the back and they're doing this. So they put the sports at the back, right? <laughs> and, and then everybody wants the first and the last. And so what you begin to do is you create a finance section and then you create a, an, a, 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 a sports section. Then you create a cookery section and then you create a this. So now you have many, many, many first rights. Exactly. <laughs> and you're able to sell deeper into the file because every stakeholder wants an easy life and they're lazy and they just want to say, oh, I'm on the first right, okay? <laughs> and if it was possible to make a pancake ad where you just peel one off all on the first right and nothing in the book, then we'd have done it, but you can't do that. <laughs> so that's kind of, you know, that's kind of where I was going. Now, the second part of it was that I was invited in a project. Uh, Excite was one of the first people, they used to call them portals in those days, to add free email. Mm -hmm. Hotmail had come and had blown the world away. I think they got sold for 700 million or something like that or blah, blah, blah. And everyone's like, what's the Hotmail? What's the Hotmail? So Excite went and did one. And that was how I became interested in email. And suddenly I thought to myself, wait, wait, wait. At the moment, we pay folks to drive them <laughs> to our page yeah. so that they'll read and then they'll interact. But the thing is, we're paying $150 CPM to be in a newspaper or a magazine or the, the TV, and then we're selling $2, $5 CPMs back in the day, <laughs> right? And I thought, this is crazy. So I visualized email as sending your website to the customer. Yeah. And I was really excited. Now, uh, I was also very fortunate that um, I'd been in the business early enough. So I was vested in selling shares at the top of the market. I was one of very few people to do that. And um, when the crash happened and they started to rationalize the businesses, I, I took out. I said, listen, hey, I know you're going to be making uh, people, laying people off. I'll be first in the line. Now, here's the truth. Even if you volunteer to be laid off, it's always painful when they go, oh, yeah, 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 that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and they accepted it. But in order not to go and work for someone else, I thought I will do something in email. And that's kind of how I founded Alchemy Works and started working there. Um, and what I found originally is we were going to be selling content. I'll write the content and create the lovely emails and then I'll give it to you and you send it out. And the first customer went, I don't even know how to do this. Mm -hmm. I don't, where do I begin? I don't have a technology to send it. I don't know how to send it. I don't know how to create an email. I don't know how to build an email. <laughs> I don't know the strategy. So I suddenly found that actually bizarrely, even though content is the most important thing in my mind, no one seemed to care about content. <laughs> I'm picking my words because someone say, I care about content. Not everyone cares about content. But they actually had a bigger problem with deployment and building and HTML rendering and all of those sorts of things. Yeah. And that's how Alchemy Works came about. Do I love email? No. Do I love newspapers? No. Um, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean, I love my family. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and I loved my job and the job of running an agency, okay, because you're bringing people, you're nurturing people. And that's one of the things I'm most proud of is, uh, it's in the hundreds now of people who have started work for me, many of them straight out of college, mm -hmm. who have gone on to do amazing things all over the world and in different things in marketing, sometimes not marketing, sometimes setting up their own business, 
that I enjoyed. I also enjoyed not re reporting to anybody. <laughs> that was probably the best thing is not having to report to anybody except myself and, and, you know, and God, that's it. I, I know nobody else, but yeah. me and God, I, that's who I report to. Um, but I also understood that, you know, email is actually quite a, a precise pond. It's quite a small, very well-defined pond mm -hmm. and I'm lazy. And it's so much easier to be a medium-sized fish in a very small pond and look big than it is to be a big fish in the middle of the ocean, right? Because there you have to be really big. So I'm being a little bit self-deprecating, but I just found that um, uh, it was easy to pick up the knowledge. And once you have the knowledge, you become an expert in the space and your agency, one of the first ones, if not the first in the space, it just meant that you just carry on with that. Um, yeah. uh, am I stubborn? Yes, because a lot of people who started with email marketing went away from email marketing over the years. Most people do, mm -hmm. and that's another whole story. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's basically it. Um, I fell into it uh, because I knew about it, and I knew about it because I was lucky to just be in the right place at the right time for that to happen. And the rest is just, you know, life. You are known for challenging the status quo and may not like the idea of best practice. If someone suggests not emailing inactive subscribers or deleting them from email lists, you might respond with your famous hashtag DBS. Don't be stupid. Or do be smart. <laughs> so can you share your research findings on what email marketers should do with their inactive email list? Um, I know it's a big topic, so... It yeah. is, um, it is. And I, I, I have to think about how I dive into it. And because you started with best practice, right? So that's, that's a whole different topic. I, I would, the, I, I think there's best practice and there's common sense, right? <laughs> and I tend to phrase best practice with common sense. And other people say, ah, oh, yes, it's only common sense when you know. It's not common sense if you don't know. But the thing about common sense is it's supposed to be something everybody can understand. So I, I, I guess I actually remember standing up in a conference. It was a Silverpop conference in 2008. Okay. And I like to be amusing when I'm speaking at a conference already and everything like that. And I actually quoted the Monty Python sketch about the dead parrot. <laughs> and I did, I played the video, which, you know, everyone likes Monty Python. Yeah. I played the video, everybody was laughing. And I said, that, you see why these email people, they're dead. These addresses are dead. You're an idiot. If you leave, if you mail them, you're an idiot. And I actually said that in the conference and everybody clapped for me. And not only did they just clap for me, but they, 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 they complete agreement, et cetera, et cetera, that yes, these people are dead and we shouldn't mail them. I even said jokingly, hey, and guess what? If you do that, you improve your open rate because you're not mailing people who are not responding. And so it's a cheap way to look good, right? <laughs> yeah, it is. So I started where everyone else was. What made me change? What made me change was we actually had a client um, who was a very big UK TV station mm -hmm. with a very large sports network <laughs> and they had a list of millions of people who 
we were helping them with their email marketing and receiving them, sending email yeah. to. Mm -hmm. And this client was persistently sending to their inactive file. They refused any advice we gave them to remove the inactives. And I went, you're idiots. I will prove this to you on my dollar. Okay. <laughs> so I took their list and I separated it into three buckets, one point in time. Mm -hmm. Bucket number one was, has not opened an email for 12 months. Okay. Okay. Bucket number two has, has opened an email in 12 months and bucket number three was empty. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so what I did was I continued to mail them. So every time someone activated, I moved them from bucket number one to bucket number two, right? And anyone who came out of bucket number two, because they're now 12 months inactive. So some of them were 11 months and 29 days inactive. So mm -hmm. every day someone's moving. I put them in the empty bucket. I wanted to see. I ran that for four years. Okay. Okay. <laughs> the client wanted to do it. I wasn't going to stop them. I just wanted to look. And do you know something? They got something like a two or 3% open rate from the inactive file every day for the best part of three years. Okay. <laughs> so I'm talking about people opening an email who have not opened for three years. Yeah. And yet three years down the line, they open. Now they're active and they're in the active bucket. That was the beginning of me trying to understand this. <laughs> um, does that mean you can do it forever? No. And what I would say to you is that the, the economics become less good after about two to three years. Yeah. When you get to three to four years, you get a ratio which I came up with, which is open to unsubscribe rate. If the open to unsubscribe rate is heading over 50%, it's getting to one, that list is very, very, very inefficient because the only people opening are saying, I've had enough, boom, I'm out. You could also argue that it was becoming more dangerous. Now, mm -hmm. back in 2009, 10, 11, 8, 9, 10, that, those days, or 7, 8, 9, 10, Maybe deliverability wasn't so difficult, but people were making it sound difficult. Maybe deliverability, but I, actually I think deliverability has always been, some people have problems, some people don't. And if you have people and you start with a clean list and you mail something and the people signed up for your list, you know, they're, they're, they're not so aggressive on the spam folder. Mm -hmm. um, and, and maybe back then the algorithms at the inbox providers were not so good. So that's kind of where I began. And so actually I have probably the only and the best study <laughs> of what inactives can do and how they can add value over time. And I stopped looking at things like, oh, uh, revenue per thousand emails sent or open rates for those lists. I started saying, how many new people did I activate, <laughs> right? <laughs> Reactivate and how much would it have cost the client to acquire them in another channel? Yeah. And here's the irony. Uh, many, many, many people will pay Google, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, large amounts of money to reach someone that they have an email address for. Okay. Mm -hmm. And the 
and who they're refusing to mail. And so we'll get into it later on. And, and, and so the idea that you don't see the email, I will dispute and I'll come back to in another way. So all, my whole thing about inactives came because I thought the client was stupid. I wanted to prove them wrong. I could not prove them wrong. And no one has ever been able to prove that idea wrong unless hashtag do be smart, hashtag don't be stupid, unless you do something stupid. And my view, and I've said this consistently, I've said it to you before. Yeah. If you start with a clean list of opted in people properly, right? Mm -hmm. And you don't, and you follow best practice, you see you can, I, and best practice in deliverability is what I call common sense, DKIM, SPF, da da da, you know, don't buy lists, don't do, you, you know what I'm saying, that sort sure. of stuff. Mm -hmm. And you don't stop mailing someone for a year and then suddenly mail a million of them, again, hashtag DBS. <laughs> you can mail your inactive file safely because in actual fact it's not an inactive file, it's just a segment of people who respond at a lower rate, but when they respond, they immediately move from low value to extremely high value yeah. because now we know they're awake, we know what they did, we know what they clicked on, and all our behavioral stuff and AI stuff and all the smart stuff, it can only work on behavior you've seen. Mm -hmm. And my favorite thing is you can't engage someone you stop talking to. <laughs> yeah. Right? You can't, you I mean, can't. you can't mm -hmm. engage someone mm -hmm. you stop talking to. And dialogue, and by the way, all kinds of things. Wars happen because people stop talking to each other. <laughs> Without dialogue, yeah. we are, we, we're, we're nowhere. And so the mm -hmm. point about it is never to stop the dialogue, right? When you start from a safe place. If you didn't do that, and you are like everybody in the industry who has somewhere between I'm going to be kind, 40% and 70% of their list have not opened for a year. It's generally, a, it's almost always over 50. 60 is a good marker. So most people have 40% active, 60% inactive regards to recent opens, okay? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if, you know, it, it, that's a big chunk of the list. Yeah. <laughs> and as a segment, it's actually the most valuable segment in terms of potential and revenue, it's also the segment that reduces your acquisition costs because you're no longer so reliant on acquisition and you're not paying for people you already know. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's kind of it. Could you please provide information of the return on investment for that? It depends on how you count it. So for example, I've had clients set a rule that says, any segment that delivers less than X open rates, we stop mailing them, okay? Because you're looking at a moment in time and you're saying this customer wants, you're refusing to count the value that everyone who moves from your unengaged <coughs> file to engaged mm -hmm. file changes to. So the minute they move from the unengaged file, let's say their open rate was 1%, okay? And the conversion rate was whatever. As soon as they move, the open rate jumps to 5%, 10%, 15%, and the, the conversion rate goes up. And, and you're mailing them every week, right? So instead of saying, oh, that list isn't working, you say, I took a thousand people from a list and I moved them to that I'm sending one email a week, one email a month to. Mm -hmm. I've moved mm -hmm. them to a list that I'm sending five emails a week to, right? And they're now generating 
$10 per thousand people instead of $1 per thousand people. And this is per thousand that I send and I'm sending five times a week. So that's 10 times five times 52 if they stayed in that segment. And when you look at it that way, uh, uh, and the numbers, I mean, I can do the numbers and I know them off by heart, but mm -hmm. if you do the calculation, you'll see that the lifetime value, something everyone talks about doesn't even understand, yeah. right? The lifetime value <laughs> of everyone you re-engage is huge. And it creates a valuation for your inactive file that's mm -hmm. actually higher than your most active file. According to the explanation, people on the unengaged list get fewer emails. Do you think that's what you'd recommend? Potentially, yes. Yes. Yeah. Most people do that. Mm -hmm. you, you recommend But that's, it? that's, well, what's a lower cadence? What's a higher cadence? A higher, right? let's say five a week is a... Right, and okay. lower is what? Yeah. One a week. Yeah. Okay. Let's take both of those numbers. <laughs> five a week is most people say, oh, because, oh, I don't want to do more than five a week, right? <laughs> Then one a week is, oh, no, no, they don't really want to, and I don't want to annoy them, okay? I, it's mm -hmm. always, oh, I don't want to annoy them. Everyone hates email, right? And when I have to do my best to not, it's like every email is a slap in the face. So the fewer slaps I deliver, the better. Now, here's the irony. Mm -hmm. You slap your more engaged people more than your unengaged people a lot, and you go, oh, that's good because they're engaged. No, no, you're slapping them, right? You can't have it both ways. Yeah. Email is good or it's bad. If it's bad, you're slapping them, and if it's good, <laughs> then you know what? Give them more. That's the first thing. The second thing would be, I would say, if we had two identical marketers selling the same product, all things being equal, right? We create a situation where all things being equal, two brands are doing exactly the same thing mm -hmm. and they both start with one, okay? Brand A, working with me, finds a clever way to make it six for the active. Yeah. Brand B sticks with five. Who's gonna win? I see. Brand A, Yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Simple. Mm -hmm. Let's take the one. If I find a smart way of making them tolerate two emails a week, rather than one email a week, who's going to win, brand A or brand B? Brand A. Yeah. So the question isn't how many, is how good can you be? And if your best is one, you're an idiot. I'm joking, right? I mean, you know, if your best is one, I'm sure someone can do better than that, okay? And if your best is five, I'm going to try and do better than that with six. I always use TV commercials mm -hmm. because Imagine going to a TV conference, right, of all these executives and advertisers and TV producers and da-da-da, the whole gig is selling advertising and sponsorships and all of that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. And they turn around and say, you know what, viewers hate advertising, so I would recommend that you try not to buy very much airtime. <laughs> Or magazine. Yeah. You know something, instead of buying 12 ads, one a week for three months, right? Just buy one. Nobody would recommend that because yeah. of reach and frequency. Yeah. So, and, and my favorite one is Geico, because if you've been to America, you'll know Geico, the brand. How do I know Geico, the brand? Because they're on TV all the time. How are they on TV all the time? Because they advertise all the time, all the time, all the time. In the UK, Go Compare does the same thing. Mm -hmm. So these are insurance companies that come from nowhere to dominate everyone's thinking. But their ad didn't remain the same for 10 years. 
Yeah. They mix it up. They change it. They have a different one in the holiday season from here. They make jokes. They're in Super Bowl. They they talk. They make. They spend millions of dollars on creative to make their incessant advertising acceptable. But with email, no, 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 no. All you can do is stop mailing. You can't be clever. You can't improve it. So I, I always say sending more email, what you should be doing is constantly striving, striving mm -hmm. to send one more. It doesn't have to be a week. It could be a month, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it, it's still one more email and that email has to be clever. So, you know, and, and my, another example I give you is Valentine's. It, uh, my friend Lauren McDonald told me this, and it was a, a, a client of his from back in the day. They sold chocolate. It's mm -hmm. Valentine's Day. Yeah. They set a program to sell in one email an hour for 24 hours on Valentine's Day leading up to it, right? It was their best day ever. Did they just take the same email and mail it to everybody 12 times? No, they set up extremely complicated rules. If someone buys, do this. If they don't buy, then do this. If they open three times and don't do this, do that. Da, 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 da. That's what I call being smart. Hashtag do be smart. Yeah, yeah. So mm -hmm. if I say send more email or mail your inactives, do be smart about it. You know, follow common sense, know where you're coming from, know where you're going to, and always strive to make it palatable to the people getting it. Mm -hmm. More palatable, not palatable. And the final thing I would say on it is that most people, when they're testing strategies, subject lines, creative offers, they test it on their most active segment and then roll it out to the inactive segment. It's, no, 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 it's the other <laughs> way around. You should test that as a real segment in a different way and yeah. then work out what works for them and optimize that. And that's how you send more email to your inactive safely. Lots of people suggest doing re-engaged campaigns to get unengaged subscribers interested again. I noticed you are not using the term re-engaged campaigns. Why is that? Every email is a re-engagement campaign. Every email you send is an opportunity to re-engage. Okay? Again, it comes from my publishing. Every ad that goes to someone is an opportunity to see. Mm -hmm. And this is where I think email marketers have missed a big trick. Everyone else sells opportunities to see, right? But what Google did when they first came out was made cost per click, right? They mm -hmm. made it a click thing. Mm -hmm. And email marketers are very happy to embrace that. Everyone, oh, click, it proves that it works. No, 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 it doesn't prove anything. What, what they started doing after a while is saying, oh, sometimes they have to see the ad five times before they click or 10 times before they click or yeah. 50 times before they click, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It could be a hundred because they didn't want jeans <laughs> for six months. And then one day they want jeans and you're there and they remember you because they see your ad all the time, right? It's the same with insurance. You have to be there all the time because it's hard to predict exactly when someone's insurance is going to become valid. Yeah. Uh, and, and I probably digressed a bit. It, it, it's about opportunities to see and reach and frequency go together and they work in email just as everything else. There is no bit of marketing where all things being equal, right? <laughs> One person is better than 50. It, 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 it isn't, yeah. okay? During our pre-call, you mentioned that you are doing audience management in Alchemy Works. You are generous enough to share your case study on the podcast. I would like to let our listeners know that we also have a video of the case study with the slides that you are sharing. 
I will put the link in the show notes. With audience management, you remember I said to you that if you let the stakeholders take their pick, mm-hmm. everybody wants the same thing, yeah? yeah? Everybody wants the same customers. And the irony is, almost anyone can predict the most active, the people who are going to buy tomorrow, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so because of that, Every stakeholder wants them, and you continue to bombard them. Remember I said, if email's horrible, why do you send your best customers more and your worst customers less? It should be the other way around. Yeah. So therefore, email has a value. And one of the things that I spoke about is that some of our thinking is driven by this idea of a typical view of customer lifecycle. Mm-hmm. And if you look at a customer lifecycle, uh, and I, the slide I'm showing, it's got three curves, steep up, flattening out, flattening out, towards the end, okay? So everyone accepts the growth of value slows over time, okay? Mm-hmm. And there are three different lines. One curve is the lowest one yellow. Those are your low value customers. The one in the middle is your average customers. And then the red one at the top is your best value. So you, you can basically see that this is your typical customer life cycle. And so what people do is say, oh, yeah, this is my customer. And they, you know, here's my value. And I, I've got good value customers and bad value customers. Mm-hmm. But actually, the reality is very different. Okay. And on this, what you have here is this is a travel company. Mm-hmm. And I took 71 months of data. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you did. Yeah. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why I'm so difficult to argue against, because I have the data, right? Yeah. And so you can say what you like about my thinking, but you can't argue with the data. So what you'll see is that every 12 months, mm-hmm. there's a peak. Yeah. Because what we did is we zeroed everybody back to the first email they got, okay? And then we followed their purchases. So this is, if you like, the... customer life cycle, and you can see that the curve is going down, down, down. If you flipped it the other way around, it would be flattening, 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 okay? Yeah. But you will see that actually people are in and out of activity. So they are in mm-hmm. activity once in 12 months, say Thanksgiving, right? <laughs> or the holiday season, yeah. or their mother's birthday, or <laughs> for the annual conference. And then mm-hmm. they don't buy anything again. They don't reserve a hotel. They don't do anything for a very long time. So what I saw was that, actually, hang on a minute, in effect, if you look at the next slide, mm-hmm. no matter how many segments you have, once you cut a segment, every persona will exist in every segment. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's a dynamic process. People move in and out. So in your inactive, you're people who are one day away from being active. And in your active, there are people who are one day away from going into one year without opening or 30 yeah. days mm-hmm. or 60 mm-hmm. days or whatever you pick. So audience management is understanding that it's not like we've got a good list and the good people we do this and then the bad people we do this to. It's actually saying there's no good, there's no bad, but people are in different stages of the buying cycle at any given time. It's not always easy to predict. But one thing I can predict is that Some people who are inactive will become active and some people who are active will become inactive and everything in between. And, yeah. and, mm-hmm. and you know, if, if it, so for those who can't see it, so I always have a slightly funny picture. So it's here is there's somebody going, oh, you know, I'm not interested in inactives. I don't mail them after <laughs> nine months, right? <laughs> and then if you look, we only mail active people and they're like 
chasing them and harassing them and 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 <laughs> bullying them and sending abandoned cart, abandoned browns, this, that, and the other, and blah blah blah, and blah blah blah, and blah blah blah, and doing nothing with the others. Yeah. And that's just a gone. That, that, that's kind of a visual demonstration of what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. And there are many ways of calculating what the value is. But at my most conservative, I would say if the representative value for an inactive person is $1, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> the representative value of an reactivated email address is between $2.50 and $7, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And so... For the cost of sending an email, which is what, 50 cents a thousand, 10 cents a thousand, let's be really brutal, $1.50 because, you, you know, whatever, a thousand. Where a thousand? You tell me a place where you can make a thousand people get something for a fraction of one cent using content you already made. I mean, it's not like you're making new content. You've already yeah. got mm -hmm. it. You, yeah. You've got the offer and everything else. So that's kind of where it is. And, and it takes you to, rethinking engagement um right so when mm -hmm. you're um and this is a slide i share a lot I, I i can send it to you and i'd recommend if anyone wants to see it it's one of the sure. slides mm -hmm. i i my middle daughter is in email marketing i'll give her a plug she'll hate me for it she she now works <laughs> for braze <laughs> and um she worked. She started working in the agency when she was fifteen, so she knows a lot about email marketing, even though she's very young. <laughs> and she has, you know, she's packed ten years of experience into someone else's four years because she worked through college. Yeah. But we sat down on a chalkboard to try and make this. What happens to people? What can people do if they don't open the email? Mm -hmm. And I can tell you, they can open later. They can open in a month. Yeah. Or a year. Yeah. The longest I've seen, I've seen someone open an email that sat in their inbox for more than one year, right? Why did they do that? Maybe because it was something they wanted or they thought, oh, you know what? When my daughter's birthday next comes, then I'll buy this product, right? Yeah. You can visit the website without mm -hmm. opening the email. You yeah. can visit the store. You can delete. You can call it spam. You can ignore it. Now, the interesting thing about ignoring, which a lot of people say, okay, oh, I ignore it. Well, if you if ignoring worked, why do billboards exist? Yeah. Why do TV commercials exist? Because everyone says, oh, I ignore TV commercials. No one says, I lean in. They go, I ignore it. Now, go to the dictionary definition of ignore. It says to willfully decide to not do something. In actual fact, to ignore an email, you're using your highest cognitive functions. Because if you ignore an email from your boss or you didn't see it, or you ignored an email from your mom saying your aunt is dying, come and visit me, or you ignore an email or you don't pay attention to an email that maybe is a spam or is a virus. So we actually use our highest cognitive functions even to delete. Right. Or to ignore. Or to ignore. Yeah. Um, so imagine how effective that is in TV advertising and billboard advertising and newspaper advertising and everything else. Mm -hmm. They know that and it's called brand building. So again, go back to two brands, A and B. One sends one a month and one sends two a week. And then you did a spontaneous recall test on a customer who got both of them and say, which name a brand that sells jeans, the one they get more of, they will remember almost always, mm -hmm. almost always. Yeah. So that's <clears throat> kind of 
what I was thinking, and this goes across, by the way, this goes across all channels, because mm -hmm. I, I'll give you an example. People who see your email in the inbox didn't open it, go somewhere and they click on an affiliate link and now you're paying for them again, right? Or they go to search and they click on paid search and now you're paying for them again. So these are all things that they can do. And, and that's what audience management is about. Audience management is reducing the opportunity of people to go to another channel. But mm -hmm. more importantly, what you're doing, and I'm showing two charts here, you start with a big unengaged file, 60% of your list. Yeah. Your goal should be, my unengaged file should only be 40% of my list by next year, or 50, maybe go 60, 55, 50, 45, until you can't do any better, right? Mm -hmm. And your engaged, which is only 40% of your list, you say, I want my engaged file to be 45%, 50%, 60%, 70%. And mm -hmm. here's another thing I noticed that also made me look at audience management. Isn't it funny how no, very few people's engaged file grows? It's always the same. And do you know why? It's because they're satisfied with the number. And, <laughs> and more importantly, because they're not mailing their inactives, when it's going down, they go to acquisition and they start paying more to, to build their engaged file. Most of the people in the engaged file, for a lot of people, are newly acquired, right? Amazing. Instead yeah. of, whereas <laughs> if you took them from your unengaged file and still had the acquisition activity, now you've got a big bonus. Now your acquisition activity is complete bonus. It's not replacing people that yeah. have died or have gone into the unengaged file. And, and that's kind of... That's kind of audience management. And just to put it in perspective, we were able to increase clients engaged files by this. I have a case study from Global Industrial, 70%. We increased their engaged audience by 70% in like nine months. They generated 200% more revenue. I mean, these are all things that I don't have to tell you. Just common sense should tell you. You don't need a case study that said one person did this once to do it. It's common sense. And the, here's this slide here is the hashtag do be smart, don't be stupid. Okay. You have to do advanced <laughs> customer assessment. Mm -hmm. You've got to integrate the existing models that they already have into the process, okay? You have to make sure your channels are aligned with each other. You have to do RFM. Uh, segmentation to, in order to do that and ongoing testing. And I forgot you talked about testing. People test all the time, right? And they say, oh yeah, yeah, you've got to test, okay? And I say to them, when was the last time you tested seven emails in a day? Oh no, you can't do that. Well, it's a test, right? <laughs> it's a test. Yeah. Or I say to them, here's a test. Don't mail anybody for two weeks. See what happens to all your business. Will they do that? No. no. Mm -hmm. So testing is something in extremely narrow parameters. And when you come to subject lines, which we may or may not talk about later on, when someone says test long, in most people's minds, short is 35 characters, long is 65 characters, and they test 33, 34, or 66, 67. Mm -hmm. They don't test 250. <laughs> they don't test three. They only test three when they make a mistake, like oops right? Or out of office or something like that. So that's the point about it is that we talk about testing, but no, no, no. You can only test in very, very narrow, narrow confines. And that's why almost everybody ends up with average results because everyone's doing the same thing. And people talk about behavior, right? Mm -hmm. 
but they don't understand that marketers' behavior is what influences your customer behavior. And you have to look at yourself as much as, if not more than, you look at your customers. And you go, oh, well, maybe they don't respond to long subject lines because I never send long subject lines. Yeah. So that, that, that's kind of it. And I'm seeing if there's another slide that's worth talking about. Um, uh, no, I mean, th this slide is just about testing. Mm -hmm. So um, one of the things is testing in audience management is critical, okay? The biggest wins come from reach and frequency, okay? Okay. <laughs> Let's say you don't mail your inactives and they're 70% of your list, okay? Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if you mail them, you're increasing your reach. Mm -hmm. Because instead of... 400,000 people, you're now reaching a million people. Okay, that's reach. Yeah. Frequency. Mm -hmm. If you're mailing them once a month and you double it, that's frequency. Reach and frequency together give you the biggest wins. Then subject lines, notifications, timing of sends, all of those things, that's another, those are good to test. And I, I've put a slide together that shows you the relationship between the effort versus the response. And at the bottom, with the best response at the bottom of the funnel, it's mm -hmm. design, but you do that when you've optimized everything else, okay? So if your list, your engaged list is 400,000 or 100,000, right? And you design and optimize for 100,000 people, you would have less value than if that was 500,000 engaged people, okay? Mm -hmm. So it's not that it's not important. It's just that you save the best for last, okay? And you start with the easiest things. And I'm saying that not to upset designers. I'm not there. A lot of designers think, I, I, I don't think it matters. That's not the case at all. I'm just saying in England, there's an expression, you're placing the cart in front of the horse. It doesn't work that way. You know, the horse has to lift and then the cart is behind. And when you mm -hmm. optimize mm -hmm. the cart, make sure that it's behind <clears throat> the horse mm -hmm. and not in front of the horse. Yeah. And, and that's kind of where it is. So, so that's, my, um, that's my thing on audience management. I hope that makes sense. And if you could, on your site or whatever it is, show people where they can look at some of these slides, it may help them understand what I was saying a little bit better. You mentioned before that the biggest wins come from reach and frequency, and they help with the brand awareness. Could you go into more details? Uh, I was talking to the, um, the chief executive of the DMA here in the UK. Mm -hmm. What do they do? And I used to be on the DMA email marketing board. And he said, Della, do you know something? Something you told me about the impressions, okay? We have embraced that. You told you used to call us stupid at the DMA, right? <laughs> we have now embraced opportunities and brand impressions mm -hmm. into our reporting and our metrics to better show or to show that it's actually even the ones where they didn't pick up the phone and buy immediately, it had an impact. And if you send a door drop, it mm -hmm. makes your commercials work better. And when you do a commercial, it makes your door drop work better. And if your door drop goes in and you send an email saying, did you see it? That works better as well. So again, we talk a lot about things like multi-channel marketing and a single customer view, but we don't even begin to act on it. The final thing you said, it's difficult. No, 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 no. It's, it's actually not hard, okay? Mm -hmm. Because all I'm saying is find a way to sensibly begin to increase your reach and frequency. Yeah. That's actually, you know that I showed you the lifetime cycle, that's your biggest win because mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. what everybody 
I have never met a client that's overmailing their customers yet. Never. Never. And 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 he, he, here's how I prove it. Okay. When and when you ask someone how many emails do you send a week, they go a lot, a lot. We send too many. Well, how many is that? And they say, oh, we send. Pick a number: five, nine, ten, a week. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. I say fine. Okay. What's the? How many emails did you send last month? Mm -hmm. Right. And they say, give me a number. Okay, because I'm trying to find out on average how many emails somebody on the list received. Okay. Average. <laughs> and, and they'll say, oh, we're sending five a week. So that's like 20 a month, 20, 30 a month. Okay. That's mm -hmm. what they're sending. They say, oh, it's too much. You know, we weren't really worried about that. And I say, what's your list size? They tell me the list size. I said, how many emails did you actually send from your ESP? Tell me how many that was. Mm -hmm. And then I divide one by the other. Now, guess what on average what what how many emails the average subscriber on a list gets when i look take a guess two to three a week it's one a month one a month yes ah, because of the the inactive file no not just that because everyone's chasing the same active people I right see. so all their algorithms and all their smart shit are chasing the same 10 people <laughs> that i could tell you about yeah. right mm -hmm. so it's about reducing the load and reducing the load means actually moving up. don't i'm not saying stop the clever stuff by all means do that because there's a lot of learning mm -hmm. but what i'm saying is actually Make a metric that says no one on my list should get less than and have a rule that ensures that everyone on your list gets one a week. Yeah. Whether that's whether you call that. And by the way, some of the people who don't get emails are because our rules are so complicated and our segmentation is so complicated that there are cracks in which some very valuable people fall because they mm -hmm. weren't this plus this minus this. Yeah. But more importantly, they have a lot of exclusion things. If you got this, I mean, back in the day, uh, we, we, I was working with an insurance company and they stopped as soon as I showed them this. Mm -hmm. They had a rule that says any contact. So if they sent a direct mail piece out, that person couldn't get email. <laughs> if they sent an, you know, and the rules were, were like rules, that. And I think. Rules of engagement. So, yes. Know, yeah. The rules of engagement mean, yeah. and, and a very quick, easy way of doing that calculation. And actually, people tell me it's not easy. How big is your list? Most people can't answer that question. Yeah. Can you believe? They cannot tell you how big their list is, right? <laughs> What do you mean? Mailable list size, da da da. I said, well, if you mailed everybody you could, how many would that be? That tells you your list size, right? Okay. Then I say, I'm going to say a million, okay? <laughs> and then I say, how many emails did you send in actual numbers of emails? I'll say, oh, we sent 20 in the month, okay? Then I say, fine, how many actual emails were sent in the month? Okay. Then they'll say something like, oh, uh, 1.5 million or something like that. And then you go, okay, the average person on your list gets 1.5 emails. Yeah, exactly. And by the way, somebody, some poor person is getting everything. And that person is most likely your CEO, right? Or your CTO or your deliverability guy. And he's going to say, you're sending too many emails because Amazing. they didn't do the simple calculation. Now, all I'm asking is that everyone makes the average two or one or 1.5 or three. Am I being extreme when I say no one on your list should get less than three emails a month or two or one? 
<laughs> because I'm not going to stop you sending 20 to your most active. I can't stop you doing that. And no, yeah. everyone says that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. But I am saying at the very least, send everyone one email. Because if you don't, you're asking for deliverability problems straight yeah. away. Mm -hmm. You explained earlier that sending emails with a high reach and frequency helps in building brand awareness. Can you elaborate on that? I, I'll just start with the common sense. I've already covered this in the sense that saying, if I send you an email, remember, if you, if you look at all the research, okay, when an email arrives in the inbox, in order of preference, the from address is the number one. Yeah. Okay. With or without brand in the subject line or whatever it is, just knowing who it's from is a brand impression. My name, for okay? example. From company your name, from, for example, I'm talking name. about business marketing, for example. So if it's from uh, if it's from Dell, for example, mm -hmm. Dell computers, mm -hmm. yeah. you'll see it's Dell on there. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and if it's from uh, Gap or Whole Foods, you'll see it there. Yeah. If it's from Seller, I will see your name in there all the time and it'll be there all the time. And what I used to do was show people and I just sort my inbox by who from. And then I'll show them someone who's sending weekly or daily. And I go, impression, 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 Dell, 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 seller, 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 seller. And then I say, hey, do you know any email marketing consultants who know about deliverability? I'll say, oh yeah, there's a guy called seller and I won't even know. That's how billboards work, right? That's how TV commercials work. Yeah. They're so clever. Everyone knows this. So that even the, the sound, the music from a commercial will trigger you and you don't have to be in the room to know it's this bank or that insurance company or something else. That's how powerful an impression is. Yeah. Now add to it the fact that I subscribe to you because I don't work with people who just randomly email people. So yeah. one, mm -hmm. I've subscribed, I'm, I'm on your list, okay? And two, you're just reminding me you're alive, okay? And, and repetition, it's so powerful. And that's why, you know, they have billboards. That's why, and you can make them funnier or not so funny or whatever it is. And you can have a call to action or not have a call to action. But the point is just that little thing yeah. tells you Dell or Gap or something else. Now let's add the subject line, the actual mm -hmm. content of the subject line. Yeah. I'm not even going to talk about pre-header or anything like that. That's an, it, it, people who talk about pre-headers just want to complicate something simple. And I don't mean that badly. You have to be really good at the first before you get to the second. It's the same when I said about design. You need to fix your the top of the funnel before you get to the bottom of the funnel. So that, that's kind of what it is. Mm -hmm. So, and I've actually seen this live in action. Right. I was in a mall in Atlanta, which is where our office was. Mm -hmm. And I walked into Gap um, and I was standing near the doorway and I saw three generations, uh, a little girl in a pushchair, <laughs> <laughs> the grandmom pushing the pushchair mm -hmm. and the mom walking beside her. Okay. Okay. And as she walked in <laughs> to the store, she said, let's go into Gap. I saw in an email that they've got a discount today. Okay. You don't have to open that email if it says 40% off in store today, right? Exactly. So you have two mm -hmm. things. 
I've signed up for Gap. They remind me they exist. Gap, 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 Gap. So it's always in my mind. They're in a friendly place because I subscribed. I subscribe because I like Gap. You don't subscribe to people you hate. You subscribe to brands that you have an affinity with, right? Mm -hmm. And you don't have to open them if they're kind enough to tell you what's in the email and save you the effort of opening it because they're comfortable in their ability that this email will send them to another channel that you're already doing and you're paying for and you're just reminding them that we exist, blah, blah, blah. If they open the email, great. If they click on the email, great. But we need to find a way of attributing their visit to the store or yeah. the fact that they have a propensity. Um, and the other story that I tell, which is around Dell, is because of who I am, I was in a industry, it was actually back in the DMA days, and somebody from a big ESP mm -hmm. that was working with Dell okay. heard me say, out of context, ah, oh, Dell sent me at least two or three emails a week. Now, this was when three emails a week was a lot, <laughs> okay, not like today. Yeah. And I was making that comment in a good sense, but the person heard it and assumed that I was complaining. And because of the power of my voice, they were afraid <laughs> that they would get a bad name for spamming people. So they quietly unsubscribed me. Wow. And I didn't know. <laughs> and I didn't really notice because as I say, this is subliminal, right? You wouldn't notice that a Dairy Queen billboard or a, 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 a a First National Bank billboard suddenly was replaced by, you wouldn't no notice it, right? And it was the same thing. And you know something funny? I had bought Dell exclusively and I was still getting on a lower frequency HP emails. Mm -hmm. And you know, I started flirting and looking at prices of HP. I didn't even realize why. And it was only when I put two and two together that I was able to work out that actually, because I wasn't driving past the billboard every morning, or the billboard had been replaced with an HP billboard, my, my behavior was changing. I didn't even know that. <laughs> that, that. That's what I mean is you have to think bigger than, and you shouldn't be obsessed with open, click, buy, oh, email's good, right? Not open, yeah. email bad. It's not like that. It's much, much more complicated. And by the way, you apply this to your TV all the time. You apply it to billboards, right? Mm -hmm. But you don't, and you apply it to almost everything except email. Um, and, and, and that's one of the funny things. And you know why? It's because uh, we, we've decided that clicks and opens are the only thing and unsubscribes the worst thing that could happen to a human being uh, or a brand. Whereas actually I love unsubscribes because they're cleaning your list. And, and if you did, uh, let's take an example. If you were to take your inactive file and do a net promoter score, right? So you take a random sample from your inactive file who you haven't mailed for six months, right? Mm -hmm. And you send them a net promoter score and check their net promoter score. Then you slowly and carefully start to mail them, not to surprise anybody, not to get deliverability problems, but you carefully build up until you're now sending them one a week, mm -hmm. right? Do a net promoter score in six months and say what the net, and you'll see it's gone up. Why? Because you're just telling them you live. You're just reminding them that you exist. We talked about subject lines. What about the second subject lines, the pre-headers? With pre-headers, there are two things about this that are important to bear in mind. So the first mm -hmm. is, don't start with pre-headers if your subject line, you don't understand how your subject lines are, okay? Yeah. It's mm -hmm. not the place to start. The second thing is that 
people talk about subject line length or header length, okay? Yeah. Um, but length in itself is a meaningless concept, okay? Because I could, let's say I speak English and I know your subject lines are in Hebrew. Yeah. Right? I get them in Hebrew. Yeah. If short was better than long, and I don't read Hebrew at all. It's, it's meaningless to me, right? Completely meaningless to me. What you would say is that if I send a 20-character subject line in Hebrew to Della, he'll open it. But if I send a 120-character subject line to Della in Hebrew, he won't open it because it's too long. That's just nonsense. <laughs> meaning is what it is. And it's very hard to convey a lot of meaning in a short space, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's easy to convey a lot of meaning in a long space, right? So I, I, we, we come up with the idea of how many propositions are in the subject line. Mm -hmm. A single proposition subject line is sale today, okay? Look how easy that is. Everyone understands it. You can even make it 50% 50, 50 sale today. Yeah. Everybody understands that. That's short, okay? Mm -hmm. So it's easy to make powerful propositions short yeah. because they're mm -hmm. often single propositions and that's the thing that everyone's yeah. going for. Mm -hmm. Now, if I said to you, make that one proposition, 50% sale today, make that 200 characters, it's a waste of time. You detract from the meaning and I would actually argue, then you start saying, oh, should the 50% be at the front or should it be at the back? Actually, it should be the only thing you say because it's really simple. Now, for the sake of argument, and I'm going to use B2B and your business because that's easier. So let's say you wanted to say in your newsletter, you've covered news on uh, deliverability. You're saying new study out that shows that B2B or something, something, something. And then another thing. And you've got three valuable pieces of content in your thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Then it's very hard in most contexts, to make that short. <laughs> Very hard. Yeah. And actually, one of the few places you can is in B2B, right? Or in consumer sort of stuff with brand names, because brand tells you a lot. Mm -hmm. So you could say deals on Nike, Slazinger, Coke, and something else. That's like four words, 20 characters. You conveyed a lot of information, but because you're taking very powerful, they've spent millions of dollars to turn that brand, that one word into yeah. something mm -hmm. meaningful, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. <laughs> so that's when the pre-header comes into place. There's a but. <laughs> and that but is... You opt if you want to optimize for open rates, shorter is better because you can say less. Mm -hmm. Okay. So for me to know what's in there, I have to open it. Yeah. That's why oops works so well. That's why <laughs> sorry works so well. That's why amazing one word works so well, but only once, maybe twice, maybe three times. And then after that, it doesn't work because I have to open it. But your click rate will be lower or your click to open rate will be lower because a lot of people who shouldn't have opened it will open it just to find out, okay? Now you have the sentiment. Oh, they tricked me. I'm not happy about that. And sentiment and annoyance is what makes people hit the spam filter, not a word in the subject line. Yeah. So you fooled me into opening it. So, but if you want to optimize for clicks, the longer the better. So if you said this week, 
sales on baseball caps, tennis shoes, something and frying pans, right? Then anyone who wants those things will open. And anyone who doesn't want those four says, I don't need to open this email because that's four things and I don't want any of it. So in your subject line, if you put four things in there and I didn't want to, I just won't read it. I won't hate you. I'll just know that this week it wasn't for me. How do you perceive the idea of implementing the best practices in email marketing? I'm not saying best practice is not a good idea at mm-hmm. all. What I'm saying is that email is no different from broadcast media. And this is what people hate, right? Because, oh, blast, blast, broadcast. Oh, this is a bad word. No, 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 no. It's not at all. <laughs> Relevance. Oh, you can't send any relevant. We only want to send engaging relevant stuff. So you're right that this is a complex business. You're right there's a lot of data. But what I find, it, it'd be like trying to buy the smartest AI technology and the best email marketing technology before you have a list, <laughs> before you even sent an email. Yeah. I would argue that you're better off making an email and just a plain text email and mailing it using Outlook <laughs> to start the process going. Do you see what I mean? And then as you get better, improve along the funnel. But again, you know, that doesn't sell technology and it doesn't make people look smart or anything like that. So I, I think sometimes people try and be complicated. So they're two different audiences. Anyone new, of course, follow the common sense and blah, blah, all of that sort of stuff. Do follow best practice. Don't get fired, right, for, <laughs> for, for trying something before you knew how to walk, yeah? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Don't do that. But by the same token, don't buy into this idea that email is a unique channel that is so crazy that if you do one mistake, blah, 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 yes, you can get blocked, and that's a terrible thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But... We've had this conversation before, right? Mm -hmm. Why isn't the whole world blocked? Even though most people don't do deliverability best practice, why? Because actually, you know what? (laughs) It's at the end of the bell curve. Do you see what I mean? The the stuff you have to do is way out there, okay? Or way here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. As always, and this is where the do be smart, okay? Don't just listen to me or anybody and just follow me blindly or them blindly. Don't do that. Understand that deliverability is an integral part of the ecosystem. And the article I wrote recently, which you, you probably saw, yeah. is that mm-hmm. deliverability is a core strength. Okay? It's like core yeah. strength. Mm-hmm. Improving your core cannot make a bad tennis player a good player. Okay? <laughs> because playing tennis is not core strength. <laughs> okay. But if you're a good tennis player and you don't exercise your core or you're an average tennis player and you don't exercise your core or you're a bad tennis player and you don't exercise your core, the consequences of the injury you get may mean you can't play tennis for six months. Yeah. Right. That's the way to look at it. Exactly. Deliverability mm-hmm. is a core strength. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not marketing, right? It's, it's a function of it, and it allows you to get better results from your marketing, but your, your impulse and your instinct should be to market first, reach and frequency, and your core strength is the enabler of yeah. mm-hmm. to play a five-set game or play twice a week or five times a week or whatever it is without paying. Earlier, you mentioned the inactive file and how people are no longer mailing them due to best practices, instead opting to paid audience acquisition. Can you give an example? 
let's say market for a new phone, right? Okay. <laughs> market for a new phone. And you are, say, Samsung. And let's say your list is uh, in the UK of 300,000 people or 500,000 people. It doesn't matter the number, right? That's okay. it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Where would you be able to go and advertise or reach with zero wastage 1,000 or 5,000 people who are in your niche? Where, where can you go that could deliver you your 1,000 people? Tell me where you could go. Is there such a place? Not buying lists. Say I was saying, oh, seller, advertise, right? I yeah. want you to put an advert out or send a direct mail drop. Where would you get a list that's got more people than you that are qualified? With zero wastage. You know, maybe, I don't know, for B2B, Nowhere. maybe. You can't. Ju maybe just, you know, uh, advertise on LinkedIn, you know. Yeah, but how much wastage will you get? A right? Link a lot. This is and the point. It will, it will be so expensive. Correct. And it's the same with the brand, okay? The only time you're going to get one million people seeing your commercial is if you are on the Super Bowl or the big thing, right? So almost everybody has more qualified, relevant people on their list that they don't mail than they could buy from anybody. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's that's the that's what it is. So you have to commit to your list. And I said this a lot, especially around you know, the recession and everything else. Acquisition becomes more expensive. Customers are harder to get. Yeah. And you walk away. And put deliverability to one side. Pretend I could do magic, right? And pretend I could get your number one competitor's list. Mm -hmm. But only the inactive ones, right? Okay. <laughs> and I got Samsung's number one competitor's inactive people, okay? And let's pretend it was legal and there weren't any repercussions around it. How much sure. would you pay for your competitors' inactive list that they don't mail to? And how much would Samsung pay for their competitors' list that they don't mail to? A lot. A lot. A lot. So th th that's the point about it. Why are they valuable when they're on Gmail? Why are they valuable on Google? Why are they valuable when you pay for them? Why are they valuable in LinkedIn? But when they're on your own list and you can reach them for under one thousandth of one cent... Why, why wouldn't you do that? If email marketeers want to reach their inactive file, what frequency should they choose? I would never send anyone less than once a week today. Okay? Uh, 10 years ago, I would have said once a month. Yeah. Right? Because everyone's up their game. Okay? And everyone's sending more email marketing. But I would say the minimum anybody on your list should get is once a week yeah mm -hmm. right and the other thing i would do is i'd make sure that that one thing i send them once a week is considered has been tested is evaluated in the same way as your best vip segment right you think about the creative you do this you invest in it because everybody that activates today becomes is to Today's inactive is tomorrow's VIP. Mm -hmm. it, that, it's as simple as that. And so you have to start treating them like VIPs almost from the beginning, thinking through. So I'll give you an example, short and long subject lines. 
Yeah. If you always use short subject lines, people stop seeing it. And when you do a long one, they go, oh, whoa, and maybe they'll open that email because they go, oh, what happened here, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it could be that if you always do short, what you do is put a long one in the inactive and then, it's, and then they come through. But then Tag says, oh, these guys actually responded to a longer subject line, right? <laughs> and you begin to learn and you start adding to the data and da, 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 da. That's when it starts getting complicated. So you're right that this is a complex business. You're right there's a lot of data. But what I find, it, it'd be like trying to buy the smartest AI technology and the best email marketing technology before you have a list. <laughs> before you even sent an email, yeah. I would argue that you're better off making an email, just a plain text email, and mailing it using Outlook <laughs> to start the process going. Do you see yeah. what I mean? And then as you get better, improve along the funnel. But again, you know, that doesn't sell technology and it doesn't make people look smart or anything like that. So I, I think sometimes people try and be complicated. So there are two different audiences. Anyone new, of course, follow the common sense and blah, blah, all of that sort of stuff. Do follow best practice. Don't get fired, right, for, <laughs> for, for trying something before you knew how to walk, yeah? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Don't do that. But by the same token, don't buy into this idea that email is a unique channel that is so crazy that if you do one mistake, blah, 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 yes, you can get blocked, and that's a terrible thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But we've had this conversation before, <clears throat> right? Mm -hmm. Why isn't the whole world blocked? Even though most people don't do deliverability best practice, why? Because actually, you know what? <laughs> it's at the end of the bell curve. Do you see what I mean? The, the stuff yeah. you have to do is way out there, okay? Or yeah. way here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I have a chart uh, that looks at the impact of um, how much above or below average uh, emails are we looked at billions of emails so we just looked at billions of emails and we just said what was the average open rate what's the average click rate what's the average for each individual campaign mm -hmm. and then we rank them around the mean around the zero okay okay so interestingly the bell curve for opens is right centered on the zero right it's boom over there it's a beautiful bell curve mm -hmm. and it's it, it's quite wide okay clicks shifts this way. Mm -hmm. So fewer clicks are uh, above average, okay? <laughs> and the deliverability spike is not more than one or 2% around average. <laughs> Almost everybody is achieving around their average deliverability. It just means that, you know, uh, you were saying delivery. about the way my mom- Delivery. delivery. No, no. Above or yeah, delivery, delivery rate. Yes, delivery. Yeah. Yes, yes. Your delivery rate is within one or two percent of average because mm -hmm. most people, if they get two percent below average, they do something really quickly. Two percent above average is you're wasting your energy. Do you see what I mean? Mm -hmm. So most people are are achieving average deliverability or delivery, delivery. rates. Yeah. And because they're achieving <laughs> average delivery rates, it's not really a problem for them. It just tells me that most people are doing about the right thing. Uh, and uh, I was going to use another one of my little stories that I tell. Most human beings ask this question when they, they look around at a, big, a bit like London where the traffic is really bad and they go, oh my God, there's so many traffic accidents. We have to do something about it. 
My thing is I say, why are there so few? Have you seen how people drive? With people <laughs> yeah. with their, their children screaming in the back, they're eating, they're on their phone, they're doing all of this in actual fact, or even just look at people walking in the street. Why don't they bump into each other all the time? Right? Yeah. It's mm -hmm. because actually mm, it doesn't happen. So that's what I say about deliver deliverability in the industry is actually you don't want a problem because when you get a problem, it's horrible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to fix, right? But most people are kind of okay. And you do have to keep saying, no, focus on it, focus it, focus it on it because of the consequences. But most people seem to be doing an okay job around deliverability. And the people who don't are the people who are trying to push too hard, right? And without the right knowledge. Generative AI has transformed almost every aspect of our digital life, leaving us overwhelmed. Every SaaS product and his dog now attaching AI to their features and functions. What do you think about AI and its future role in email marketing? Human beings, we have protection mechanisms, right, in our brains. Mm -hmm. They can be fooled. And part of that protection me mechanism is to look for familiarity, to look for comfort, right? Everyone's doing this. It's okay. It's safe, right? <laughs> to look for things. It's a very deep part of our brain. Change is danger, okay? Mm -hmm. But we also become blind to things that are there all the time. So they move from our conscious decision to our subconscious decision. And that's what marketers exploit all the time. You exploit that shift from an active decision to an inactive decision. I'm buying this. Oh, it's going to be Dell or it's going to be Gap or it's going to be this. It's that, 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 that's what marketing is all about, especially mm -hmm. on the brand side of things. Yeah. And one of the things <clears throat> I did notice is that deep down, I, I, I use clickbait. You heard me saying this the other day, clickbait. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Clickbait is an expression uh, and Chad, who we both know well and like Chad White, a very mm -hmm. experienced guy, said, oh, no, we've been using clickbaity headlines even when people used to write them. But no, the difference is, is that AI around search and affiliate programming took it to another level. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. And they made what they used to say in the 70s and 80s in a newspaper headline it's a completely different thing. It's exponentially more clickbaity in my view, and that's algorithms and that's AI. And we have begun or have been for a while rebelling against that. We see it, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. So if everybody is using AI, why would AI do anything different? AI will do what all AI does because human beings all behave in a fairly predictable way. This is the incredible thing about humans. It's almost impossible to predict what one human being will do, but it's very easy to predict what a million will do. It's, it's strange. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or the majority of a million will do. So, and, and again, that's what marketing is all about. So I think that AI will start, everyone using AI, okay, <laughs> if we could take the best email deployment technology today, the best ESP today, mm -hmm. and take it back to 2002, right? If, if we could do that, how much better 
how much more money would you make than someone just using an old tool and using their common sense and crunching the numbers? It just makes complex jobs easier, right? And in that sense, it will have a huge impact because we'll, we'll be able to do more and more and more and more and more with fewer and fewer and fewer people. Mm -hmm. The but is we will probably end up all doing about the same thing because the AI will follow what human beings are doing and they're all doing the same thing. And the backlash might be when everyone's doing the same thing. Someone will go, oh, I know what, I'll just do it myself. And that will be new to the consumers and the consumers may respond to that. And maybe in 50 years time, the really, really clever thing will be to use a human being and not AI. And I remember, um, <laughs> I once read a science fiction when I was about 12 years old. So that's quite a long time ago. And it was, it was a very short story mm -hmm. about a guy who invented multiplication, a small boy who invented multiplication in the future. Mm -hmm. And the reason was in the future, everyone had a calculator, everyone had a computer. So no one knew how to do Mental multiplication. <laughs> so this kid was on all the TV shows. Look, 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 he's invented multiplication because you don't need a computer to do this. You can do it yourself. Isn't that exciting? So I, that's why I say I don't predict the future. But what I do know is human beings will behave similarly. If AI seems to be going the way of cell phones, everyone who's in marketing will go and buy it. And because we all do that, people become a little bit more blind. The early adopters may win. Actually, the too early will fail. The in-between. So it's about getting the right place on the curve. Some people do. Some people don't. Only history knows who was the right person and who was the wrong person. Yeah. And then at the end of that process, something else will come up and whatever it is. That, I can tell you, will definitely happen. And, and AI is going through the point that I remember Facebook did. Mm -hmm. So once again, I was very early Facebook adopter because of the space I'm in. I don't use it, I've never used it seriously, but I just signed up straight away. I think mm -hmm. it was in 2006. Mm -hmm. It was just after they opened it to non-university people, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And I, was, I had a Facebook account for two years, three years, nothing was going on, right? <laughs> nothing was going on. <laughs> I wasn't chasing people, they weren't chasing me, et cetera, et cetera. And then suddenly yeah. I was getting an invite and then an invite and then an invite and then an invite and an invite and an invite. And I'm going, whoa, this is changing. The other thing that happened was it went by country. Mm -hmm. So it was the US first, then the UK, and then sort of two years later, I grew up in Ghana in West Africa. Everybody in Ghana was on Facebook. So I was getting all my school friends and I'm like, oh, okay, this is where it is. So I'm going to tell you a story with love. My wife signed up for chat GPT based on seeing something on television. So if my wife is signing up for chat GPT, it means that we've got to that inflection point that maybe Facebook was when suddenly everyone went in. That's that tipping point. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Um, and, 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 um, <clears throat> To me, it's still unknown. There's a lot of hope. There's a lot of expectation. There's a lot of investment. There's a lot riding on it. There's a lot of fear, uncertainty, and doubt. If I'm not on this, I'm in big trouble, et cetera, et cetera. I'm playing with it. You're playing with it. You're playing with AI and all sorts of things. I know you're playing with it around uh, graphics and, and voice and sound mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. making thing, your podcast sound better. Yeah. We have to do that because you can do it manually. It's just difficult. And mm -hmm. it's just bringing that's to everybody's hands, but something being in everybody's hands still means that some people will be better than others, right? <laughs> and the good stuff will stand out and we'll never be able to predict 
which song is going to get to number one, right? It's very hard. There are people who say, mm -hmm. oh, I can always tell. But, you, you know, it's, it's kind of like that. So how it will manifest itself, I really don't know. And, and all I can say is it's here to stay. You provided an excellent overview of advanced email marketing skills. Can you share some advice for beginners and those who want to learn or engage in email marketing? So <laughs> there's never such a thing as a simple answer. I would argue <laughs> that the only person who's doing no email marketing is a business that's just started. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Most people who are running businesses or who've owned a businesses for an amount of time are doing email marketing to a greater or lesser extent. Okay? So there's a different answer for them than someone who is starting a new business, right? And there's a different answer from those two from someone who's just starting in the industry mm -hmm. as a I just left college. I want to, I want to move into marketing and everything else. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'll start with this college. If you're just moving into email as an individual, it's one of the best places in digital marketing to start for two reasons, three reasons. The first reason is that it uses quite old skill sets, right? So you actually have to learn how to paint yeah. before you learn how to use a painting machine, right? Does that mm -hmm. make sense? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it, it develops your base skills in digital marketing. Yeah. And that's a very powerful thing. So you actually know what's going on in the HTML because you coded it, right? You didn't just have something spit out the HTML and then if it's not correct, you just don't know how to fix it. Mm -hmm. The second thing is you're given a tremendous amount of responsibility because not everybody can't wait to leave email, okay? <laughs> and that responsibility comes means that you actually learn much faster because, oh my God, if this email doesn't go out, I'm dead. You know what I mean? And, and you have to carry a lot of responsibility with you, which also encourages you to learn. Mm -hmm. yeah. And the reason I say you should go into it is that learning <clears throat> process will make you valuable to every other digital channel every other one. They love you if you came out of email. So that's another reason why people in email are often quite junior. There's a gap. There's not very few people in the middle. There's junior people and very senior people like me. And the middle isn't there because they're always being poached by the business to move into something that's more valuable to the business. Mm -hmm. And I put valuable yeah. in, in air, air quotes. <laughs> so it's a great place to start. It's also easier because there's less competition to get there than there is in some of the others, and there's less requirement to already have experience. Yeah. So that's them. If you're a business just starting up, then I'm only going to use MailChimp, but there are plenty of platforms like that, right? And the reason is everyone knows MailChimp, and <laughs> it's because MailChimp are on TV and yada, yada, yada. MailChimp are where they are today because they made it easy for people who were starting a business mm -hmm. who weren't email marketers. They were just people who wanted to send email to send email. And all of those platforms have rules around deliverability and what you can do and functionality and training sessions and everything else yeah. that could mm -hmm. take someone who just wants to start a business and goes, I need to send email, okay, <laughs> and make it so. Mm -hmm. And that's why the hardest thing in email marketing is actually acquiring your list, building an organic list. That's the naive. Without the list, you can't email market. <laughs> and, and, but 
If you have a list, there are plenty of ways that an absolute beginner can start and they cannot fail because they won't be allowed to fail by the platform. Yeah. The platform mm -hmm. won't allow you to do dumb shit very long, right? Yeah. They'll just mm -hmm. fire you. Mm -hmm. So there's that. Now we come to the final place, which is people who are in email already, it's an established place and everything else, and what are they looking for? And the thing I would say is, that thing I told you, the top of the funnel is reach and frequency. Are you sending enough to everybody, right? Don't look at your most active segment of 5% of your list and, and treat them one way and then take 70% of your list and just not mail them at all. It's the easiest win. Moving from zero to one a month is a bigger win than improving your conversion rate by 15% at the bottom of the funnel. It's just a bigger win, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And if you're talking top of the funnel, bottom of the funnel, I, you know, there's, you could say, oh, no point pouring water in if the bucket is leaking. That's what some people say. So fix the bucket before you start. And I'll go, yeah, but you know something, if you said to me, it's $50,000 to fix the bottom of the bucket, right? And it's $5,000 to pour more water in the top, which would you do, right? That, that's, that's the question in terms of impact. And maybe you'll take a bucket with two or three holes for $5,000 and pour more water, then you would fix the holes for $50,000 to, 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 to save losing anything. Yeah. So that's your reach mm -hmm. and frequency. So reach means mail everybody you can, yeah. okay? Mm -hmm. Frequency is find a way to send everybody one more email. And I'll give you an example. Happy birthday email is one more email a year. Who's gonna say that's a bad thing to do? right? Mm -hmm. Abandoned cart. How often do people buy from you? Once, twice a year? In most cases, maybe once every two or three years, five years, if it's a car or whatever it is. Okay. So, so abandoned cart becomes one email, two emails a year more. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you can go through all these triggers, browse abandoned, blah, blah, blah. That's one more email a year more. Each of those is a big win because if it's happy birthday, everyone on your list, every day, one 365th of your list gets a new email, right? Mm -hmm. Abandoned cart, your most active people, you have a double bite on the conversion. But again, at any given time, it's probably one or 2% of your list, but you're getting something on there. So it doesn't have to be just send everybody 50 more emails, no. And if you're currently sending your inactives safely one email a month, try one email a week, test into it. Do you see what I mean? Now you've got four times the reach. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you have four times the frequency and you've increased your reach to increase the inactives because you weren't mailing them before. So all of, and each one of those is a big number. So I always say, look at numbers, not rates. If you look at rates, you're hiding something. Okay. So, you know, a, a supermarket will take a profit margin of like 1%. <laughs> and 1% on $6 billion a year is a lot of money. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They can make that work. Yeah. Another business has to have 60% profit margin because they've only got $10,000 in sales and you can't live off less than a certain amount. So always follow the number and not the rate. Mm -hmm. And if you're following the rate, it just means that you're managing, you're not owning, Okay. right? And you're presenting, you're not acting. 
So when you stand there with your chart that says, I achieved 150%, that's why I very rarely put case studies in my presentations because who will not pick one time when they increase the conversion rate by 300%? And by the way, if you do anything by 300%, I know you started with two people. Yeah. Nobody has a million people and increases anything by 300%. It's just not possible. Otherwise, we'd all be billionaires. So follow <laughs> the number and not the rate. And that's the advice I'd give to somebody. And that's how you know how to focus, okay? So should I do design or deliverability, right? $10,000. Mm -hmm. Where is it going to give you the most numbers, okay? <laughs> shall I do send another email or improve my conversion rate? Yeah. Look at mm -hmm. the numbers. And, mm -hmm. and that's kind of what it is. So three different sets of people all starting in email. Does mm -hmm. that make sense? Three different pieces of advice. One is just do it. Email is a great place to start. The other one is it's hard to fail with modern tools. Mm -hmm. it, it, it is. It's yeah. hard to fail with modern tools. Mm -hmm. And the third one is follow the number. Don't chase rates because chase open rates. You have to send less. Chase click rates, you have to send less. If you send less, you'll probably make less money. And those are the three pieces of advice. Della, amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much, Della. <laughs>